Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Happy New Year. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football. You know, the college football season is over. Last night was the national championship game, so probably not a whole lot of USC football to talk about. Wait, there is plenty because it's USC. There's always something crazy going on. We got Dan Weber on the line. We got Keely Yorin studio. Myself, Ryan Abraham. Publisher here at uscfootball.com. We got to talk about USC losing their offensive coordinator, Cliff Kingsbury. So we're going to do that today. If you have any questions or comments, you can email the show, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or if you'd like to call us or text us, our number is 424-254-9141. It's going to be a really interesting show. We got a lot to get to. So let's just jump right in. Big news coming out of USC. Cliff Kingsbury. Hired 33 or 34 days ago to be the the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. He is no longer employed by USC. Officially removed from the website, which is that's the the end-all be-all, apparently, according to USC Sports Information. But he's not on the website anymore. The Arizona Cardinals have announced him as the new head coach. He'll be coaching up Josh Rosen, former UCLA great. And uh, very interesting, $150,000 buyout will be paid to USC. And moving on. So we're going to talk about that and a whole lot of other stuff. We got Dan Weber on the line. We got Keely Yor in studio. How are you guys doing? Doing good. <laughs> I think we're doing better than a lot of USC fans yeah. are right now. It's it's a, another rough day to be a USC fan. It's rough. Uh, my voice is very rough. I've been sick the last couple of days. I just wanted to try to relax. No. So I got to do 50,000 radio interviews. We're going to do this podcast. We'll do a live show later. We What can we do? This is USC. When you cover USC, Dan, you, this is what you expect. This is not even, I wouldn't even say this is in the top 15 of weirdest moments covering USC in the last decade. Yeah, we're really used to this. And if anybody uh, doubts the power of USC, what other assistant coach who has been at a program for, as you say, 34 days could create this kind of attention? could get on the crawl, you know, of the, uh, you know, on the NFL network and all of that kind of thing. I mean, I think, you know, Kingsbury, I don't think he did it for this purpose, but if you wanted to create some interest in yourself, come to USC for some reason, there is something, I mean, maybe if you became, you know, Nick Saban's offensive coordinator. Uh, but other than that, there's something about being at USC that is going to, put you in the spotlight. I mean, that's look at how much more uh, interest there is in Cliff Kingsbury 34 days after he signed with USC than there was before he signed with USC. I don't know. Should it have been that way? I don't think so. But there it is. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Um, he could have not been, you know, I don't think he could have had the meteoric rise um, without the USC connection. I mean, obviously he fits the profile of the latest thing in the NFL, you know, the thirties young, young, uh, you know, uh, attractive, uh, guy who, you know, good, uh, hold, you know, good at holding hands with good quarterbacks who 
know how to, you know, and know how to get the most out of them. And his, you know, the air raid attack and all that, that everybody now in the NFL looks like they want to try to figure out how to do it. But I think the combination of that with USC just puts you out there. And as we see, it put him out there. Yeah. Um, well, this is, this is crazy. I guess we'll just go back up a few days. There started to be some reports. Most of the reports early came from the NFL side. And it really started to get some traction when no one really felt that a head, like the NFL head coaching openings would be involved Cliff Kingsbury, you know, but that's a huge jump up to go from college coordinator to NFL head coach. Understandable. If you're Cliff Kingsbury, you, that's something you want to be interested in. I think his agent is very good and did a lot of good work and, and, you know, helped make this happen. But the, the word started to come out and we don't know what's true or not. Um, that USC and Lynn Swan had actually blocked uh, Cliff Kingsbury from interviewing with these NFL um, franchises. And that really created a lot of buzz. And if, if that really did happen, I don't think it's a smart move by USC. I said that a number of times. But however it went it down, it, at some point, they, he interviewed. He interviewed with the Jets. He interviewed with the Cardinals. And then here you are. Uh, it, you know, we get word last night. It sounds like he's going to the Cardinals. And then today, right about noon Pacific, uh, I think it was Peter, Sh- uh, was it Schefter that, that kind of tweeted it first, Keely? Um, I think, or, or Schrager, Schrager tweeted yep, it first. Uh, the Cardinals made it official. They have a video out of Kingsbury. Um, we got a statement from Clay Helton on this. I mean, so it, it kind of happened pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think, I mean, I think the first report that he was being blocked was totally disingenuous, if not dishonest, uh, considering the fact that he had been talking to both teams uh, days before that, you know. So it was, you know, if, if you want to consider it's a term of art in the NFL, the, quote, interview. Uh, but the fact that he'd been talking, I, I think at the point that USC didn't want that – I guess the publicity of, you know, we're, we're using this guy to get more publicity and making it look like we're really on the cutting edge of changing what we're doing at these two, you know, NFL franchises without any sense that they were going to hire Kingsbury. I think the, you know, USC, I think wanted to qualify. Are you guys really interested? I mean, I think that's the question a lot of people had was, are you really interested in Cliff Kingsbury? Really? I mean, he just got fired by his alma mater where he was this great, you know, hero in, in so many ways. And, you know, the first guy at um, uh, Texas Tech not to have a winning record uh, in his tenure since 1985 or whatever. So the likelihood that he would become a leading candidate for a head coaching job in the NFL was probably not great. So I think USC you know, kind of put that out there and said, you want to, you know, formally interview him? Uh, and they said, yeah, we really do. So I think that was, a, a, you know, an attempt to qualify their interest in Kingsbury. Are you really going to interview him and then, and then hire him? And I think they both said, yeah, that's absolutely the case. We could do that. At that point, USC said, sure, then we're not going to block him, uh, you know, in that way. I think USC got a bad rap. I think it was a classic NFL, uh, you know, ability to, you know, get their people to write what they wanted them to write, which they did. And USC probably not realizing 
the situation they're in in terms of a PR battle uh, over something like this with the NFL because they'd already been very accommodating to Kingsbury and the NFL, and they didn't get any credit for that. Again, is that USC's inability to manage the story, inability to know what's out there you know, going to be negative to USC? Sure. I mean, it happens all the time. I mean, it's always the case with USC. They don't seem to seem, see these things coming. Uh, but uh, but I, don't, I, I don't think they really did Kingsbury anything you know, negative, and I don't think they actually did the NFL teams anything negative. But USC will be the ones that come out of this with the most negatives. Uh, and again, what else is new? Yeah, um, and that's, I think you put it well. USC's athletic department kind of lives in this bubble, and uh, that's just the way it is. They did put out the statement, so um, I'll read it for you. Clay Helton said, I'm happy for Cliff. Anytime you get an opportunity to be an NFL head coach, it is special. He is a talented coach. That's why we brought him here. I wish him nothing but the best. USC has always attracted the best coaches in the country from all levels. We will spend the upcoming weeks finding the best possible fit for USC and our program. So that's the uh, statement coming out of USC from uh, from Clay Helton. They're going to have to move on. We put up an early hot board. 2.0 uh, up on uscfootball.com. If you're a member, you can kind of check that out. But this is, um, I guess, to put it, not, like, USC has not been a very well-run athletic department. It's just, it, you can't, there's nothing that points to this has been well-run. And I think when you hire former football players over and over again, and I tweeted this out earlier, the last time USC hired an experienced athletic director, someone that has a PhD, someone that, he was a former uh, college head coach. He was a, a, a college athletic director. Was Mike McGee back in 1984? That's the last time. So we have not seen a, a great run uh, from USC's athletic administration. And I'm not saying it's all their fault, but when you you make these kind of decisions over and over again, sometimes things are going to blow up in your face. And there's no reason that all of USC's football season, all the optimism, all the excitement needed to be tied to one person, one person only, and that was Cliff Kingsbury. You put all your eggs in that Kingsbury basket, all the butts in the seats you need to put in for the newly renovated Coliseum because you didn't make other big moves. You made one big move, and it was a great big move, 100% behind it, Cliff Kingsbury. But making this move, you were putting yourself at risk. And the risk was he could go to the NFL. They didn't put a good contract together, and maybe they weren't in a position to because USC was not in a position of power. Kingsbury approached USC as much as the other way around. So Kingsbury had the power here. USC needed him. But when the, the NFL head coaching uh, call, you know, calls came, which I don't think a lot of people expected, and it, I mean, you can argue that the Arizona no Cardinals one. making a bad— no one. Yeah. They're no making it, it's probably a bad hire. No one. Probably not a good hire. But the fact of the matter is, this was you put all the eggs into that basket. Now, what does USC do? There's no one out there that's going to create the kind of excitement. So, is it one of those things, Dan, where you promote from within, you hire somebody else? Now, I feel the best move would be to go get the best offensive offensive coordinators that you could, but you got to make more moves. They didn't make enough moves, feeling that Kingsbury was enough. Now I think you got to go. Okay, we're get we're bringing in someone else to replace Kingsbury, bringing their own offense, but we're going to get rid of the X, Y, and Z also, and make some big changes there. They didn't change enough of the culture, and I think this is an opportunity to kind of it's not blowing things up and starting all over again, which is something you could 
certainly do, but at least make some bigger changes than just the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, I think you got it with Kingsbury. You had to ask yourself, what if? Uh, and I don't think they asked themselves that. Uh, you know, so what if? Uh, what do we do then? Uh, if, if Kingsbury gets an NFL offer, do, does USC make him a head coaching offer? Yeah. Uh, you know, did they talk about that? Did they think about that? Did they, you know, put that out there for him? Uh, was that, you know, partly because that didn't go into the contract, which we heard that he wanted, he wanted to have that in the contract, that he would be next in line and that they officially put that in the contract. And they said, we understand that, oh, that isn't the kind of thing you put in a contract or whatever. I mean, you know, would there have been other ways that, that USC, you know, could have headed this off? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, when you get an NFL head coaching offer, I mean, you know, did Kingsbury come here thinking maybe he could be the next head coach at USC? I think he had to be thinking that thought. I don't think there's any question. Uh, is there a way you could have, you know, finessed that at this point? Um, and then, you know, did USC explore that? And we just, we just don't know. I mean, uh, but then, uh, I mean, I think the a big problem USC's got, as you said, they did one thing essentially. You know, yeah. got rid of a couple of coaches, hired a couple of coaches, but both Clay and uh, Lynn talked about the Notre Dame model, and the Notre Dame model, you know, seventeen new personnel in the football department, uh, you know, let go strength and conditioning guy that had been with Brian Kelly for you know more than two decades. Uh, all new coordinators, you know, you know, offense, defense, special teams, new weightlifting, uh, you know, weight guy. All those are new people at Notre Dame. They really did what they said they were going to do. Uh, USC didn't do any of that or hasn't done any of that. And so basically USC allowed it to be all about Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, that's it. Yeah. it, it, it that was USC. And, and when we asked Clay, it, it, I did ask him um, uh, as he was leaving, uh, you know, from signing day, because I just wanted to be the only one that asked him, was, are you going to do the Notre Dame model? Are you going to change 17 people, you know, add 17 new people? And he got a look on his face of like horror, like, no, there's no way we're going to do that. And he said, we'll announce it right away. Well, then they announced the rest of the staff and they, you know, moved, uh, uh, moved, you know, people up and basically, you know, there were no more changes coming. Uh, but so now you're in a situation where you made one big move and it hasn't worked. And now, yeah. you know, you've got a program that, you know, you got a program that where Lin Swan has said he wanted two things. He wanted stability, the kind of stability he had it at, at the, uh, uh, at the Steelers and not a lot of change. And then he also said he wanted uh, change, you know, complete culture change in the football, you know, program. And basically every aspect of the football program he wanted to change. Well, those two aren't compatible. You can't have stability because USC next year right now is going to have the same head coach, the same defensive coordinator, the same offensive coordinator, the same people running, uh, you know, uh, strength and conditioning, the same people running nutrition. Well, that's hardly, how do you change your culture when you keep everybody the same? And when we got a little, you know, hint of maybe what the issue is with Clay at the, uh, uh, the only time we've gotten to talk to him was at the early signing day. 
uh, press conference where he said, I'm sorry we lost some of those games at the end, you know, those close games at the end. As if turning those around would have changed where the program is right now. Uh, You know, with a a touchdown more, whatever. You still got pushed around, you know, by UCLA. You still scored just 14 points against Cal at home. You still gave away the Arizona State game. Uh, You know, so is there a denial on USC's part that they're really in as much trouble as the uh, Lynn Swan statement seemed to indicate? And the fact that they've done so little else makes you think, yeah, they don't think they're in that much trouble. Um, Joey Kaufman, our friend, tweeted this. I always want to give him some credit on that. Um, one of the points he had, he, he was talking about, you know, they need to make a solid offensive coordinator hire. They can. But Cliff Kingsbury, he pointed out, he was the guy who headlined all the season ticket renewal emails that they sent out last month. This was, some, like we said, USC put their eggs in this basket. USC was behind Cliff Kingsbury. They were using him as a, look, it's going to be exciting. Come watch football. Now that's gone. Yeah, I mean, as uh, we uh, were just listening to, you know, Bruce Feldman uh, on, uh, you know, with Petros and uh, basically saying he thinks they're going to, you know, back away from the air right now, that they can't really go that direction. Boy, I think that would really be uh, not a smart thing to do uh, and go back to the gumbo and, and all the other stuff that we've seen on offense. I mean, that, that offense was as underachieving as, as you could ever you know, ever imagine. And uh, USC's talent and personnel are really geared to doing the, doing the air raid, uh, you know, from the underperforming offensive line to, uh, you know, the number of wide receivers to the quarterback, uh, you know, to the, the way, uh, you know, again, Kingsbury used his running backs differently uh, than most people where they run the air raid. And USC would have had, you know, the guys there, so I think it's really, uh, you know, really a shame that if they if they have to give up on the air raid, I think they've got to find somebody, you know, maybe a, a Graham Harrell at North Texas or somebody like that who's a real air raid guy. Maybe they take a, the biggest chance of all and they go get the original air raid guy, Hal Mummy, yeah. the guy who taught. <laughs> I, I he was he taught Mike Leach, right? Uh-huh. He, taught he taught Mike, Mike Leach. Leach. He was yeah. just and Mike. He was just coming in. I was getting out of Kentucky. I was, you know, moving on, but he was coming in. He's really different. He's gone through all kinds of, but he was the innovator. He was the guy that figured it all out. He's still out there. I mean, you talk about, you know, somebody brings some baggage, but uh, you know, I don't know where I don't know where they go, but uh, this would. It's really going to be an interesting, uh, you know, situation. You know, I don't think, you know, Clay hasn't proved himself with the ability to do this kind of a hire. Uh, I think, you know, Kingsbury, I think, kind of hired himself. He really yeah. decided USC was the place. Uh, L.A. was a place. USC was a place uh, that he could do what he wanted to do with the talent, he, you know, was going to be there. Uh, and Lynn hasn't proven that he's a- a capable of handling, you know, this. Uh They've got to put some put some things together right now at USC, and uh, you know, I mean, I was kidding about. I'm always a, a glass half full person. I said this is a case where not only is the glass half empty, I think it's all the way empty, and I think somebody took the glass and smashed it into a million pieces, and then they swept it up 
picked it up and thrown it away. I mean, this is USC's in, in serious trouble. I think more so with the next six months of, you know, spring football would have been really exciting with Kingsbury and the whole, you know, everybody. How do you create that kind of, you know, excitement, the kind of excitement that maybe sells tickets and keeps yeah. the, you know, the $10 million private, you know, the $10 million, uh, you know, sweet people uh, making those payments and all that. I don't know where you, I don't know where you go here. I don't know if you saw this, uh, the first uh, uh, Pac-12 uh, ratings for, for rankings for next year, the way, way too early, whatever. USC is number eight in the Pac-12 uh for next year so i mean that kind of negativity around the program yeah. is really 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 going to be hard to overcome i mean they're just uh you know it, it's it, it's gonna be something we're not used to right um well yeah not a lot of positivity i guess you could say i mean I'm, we're you know trying not to be it's funny i did uh was on with rogan and rodney rodney pete former usc grant was on with them and I had said something, I you know, kind of made this remark, like I was trying to say it's not USC's fault. It's not that, you know, that a guy like Kingsbury would leave for the, for an NFL head coaching job. I think I, I don't blame him at all. You know, and, and there's a lot of USC fans that are upset with Kingsbury. And I was like, it, you know, I try to say like, USC is not a bad guy or they didn't do anything bad or something wrong by doing that. But I think it came out as USC doesn't look very bad. And, and Fred Rogan got all over him. Like I beg to differ, but they look terrible. I'm like, okay. I, I didn't say that right, but yes, I don't. I don't think USC's look good here, for sure, and it, it might not all be USC's fault. They probably got played by an agent, like we've seen. You know, probably Clay Helton played them back in February when he signed that extension, where no one else was going after. I'm, I'm not saying USC handled this well at all, but I there's really nothing you could do, which is why I thought blocking any interviews, if that did happen or whatever, however, you know that what degree that happened. If you're gonna, if someone's going to take a chance on a meddling, you know, he's a middle of the road, uh, power five coach who was the best finish he had in the Big Twelve was tied for fifth, and he was thirty five and forty as a head coach. If you want to take a chance to hire him as a head coach, like there's not a lot you're going to do. Um, that's someone several rungs up the ladder willing to hire one of your people. I don't think USC can really do anything about it. Could they have? looked better by not having the, the PR come out that they were being blocked and things like that. That was bad. Should they have got compensated? Like we saw Manny Diaz, he was hired at Temple to be the head coach. Miami hired him less than 20 days later. Temple got $4 million out of that. Um, well, then, USC then, got 150000 They got $2.5 million uh, for the uh, – oh, gosh, who did they get the $2.5 million from? So they got two buyouts. The Temple is – to the good six and a half million dollars nice. this year and USC's 150,000. I mean, USC had one play uh, when they put themselves in this situation. Once they knew yeah. this was going to be serious. And the more you kept hearing about the Cardinals just fell head over heels and, you know, uh, for, uh, uh, for Cliff, you had one play and one play only you, you, you say, you're going to offer you a head coaching job. We're going to offer you a head coaching job. They're going to offer you a four-year contract. We're going to offer you a four-year contract. Knowing that you could have kept the staff the same, uh, and then you'd probably, you know, you would have offered Clay Helton a lifetime associate AD 
you know, for community relations job or something like that. That was your only play if yeah. you're USC. And you hope he'd rather coach at college than in the Cardinals. Let's say if, if it were me, if you're, you're having a choice between uh, a, a head coaching offer from USC, head coaching offer from the Cardinals, you take USC. And I think he would have. And I think that's the only thing USC could have done in this case, is yeah. offer him that job, that, the head coaching job. And, you know, did they even talk about it? I, I don't know. But yeah. that, was, that was their only play. The one thing I know, Dan, this is not a well-oiled machine. Like there's, you know, you could be critical here, there, whatever you want. If you look at the USC athletic department and go, that's just well run. Like no one would say that. You could argue how, you know, bad it really is or how, but it's, it's not good. It, you can't, no one in the world would argue that this is good. Um, well, it, we, I think we got some questions. Do we, should we jump into some? I, I, yeah, oh, I'll, I'll tell you, I was just thinking, okay. somebody put up last night, the, uh, uh, DavoSwinney.com uh, website, and they have all the support personnel on there. And they have five weight football uh, you know, strength and conditioning people. Now, USC does not have five dedicated football you know, strength and conditioning people. I mean, there are things. They don't spend quite as much money as Clemson as USC does, but uh, – but, you know, the direction of where that money is spent in terms of their, you know, recruiting support staff and their weightlifting and all of that. <laughs> USC has control over a lot of that. You know, you might not have had control over NFL teams coming after, after Cliff, but you've got control of what you do. And that's what everybody always says. You take care of the things you can control. USC hasn't taken care of those things. I mean, they still aren't decided – What's going to happen in uh, strength and conditioning? How is that going to go? How do you know? How do you break down the you know the responsibilities and the duties there? Uh, we still don't know. All right, shall we get into some yeah? Questions? Let's look at some questions. I mean, okay. the questions pretty cover what we missed, so we can get into that. Yeah. Uh, but before we do that, we didn't actually have a question about this, but recruiting. I mean, we still had the second uh, national signing day coming up. What yes. does this do for recruiting? You know, a guy like Kyle Ford. He didn't sign his uh, his letter of intent yet, so he could potentially be poached, correct? Right. So so people don't know, over the weekend, with the uh, Gerard and Chris Trevino were down at the Army, uh, all, well, it's not the Army All-American Bowl, but the, Ar- the All-American Bowl used to be sponsored by Army. They're no longer uh, the sponsor for that, but picked up a commitment from Brew McCoy. It was actually a signature. USC tweeted it out afterwards. So he had signed during that early signing period, just wanted to keep it quiet. We saw the same thing from Talanoa Hufunga. Last time. So Brew McCoy, five-star, he's in. He was really excited about Cliff Kingsbury. We'll kind of get his reaction, but he's already signed a letter of intent. So they would have to go through, you know, a bunch of rigmarole if you wanted to try to get something out of that. But USC still has three commitments, all offensive players, by the way. So Jordan Wilmore, we've seen a bunch uh, from Lawndale High School, uh, who's a four-star running back. Puka Nakua, who had a, he killed it down there in San Antonio. Uh, four-star, six-foot-two um, wide receiver from Utah. And then Kyle Ford, the five, the other five star um, from Orange Lutheran High School. So those three guys, I mean, it's still up in the air, and they're still going to probably bring in, I don't know, maybe four or five more recruits probably in the the later signing period. Some of those are going to be on the defensive side, but this certainly could have some sort of impact on that. Um, but I know we had like a long voicemail that we couldn't really play, but about recruiting. But it, I I don't think this is going to have some major impact on recruiting because you got you know. 20 guys signed already, but certainly it could have some impact. And 
USC might maybe a Cal Ford goes to Oregon or something instead of USC because uh, he's already coming at Cal Ford five star wide receiver. There was some question if he would come in with a bigger uh, recruiting class for receivers, which they have. But to come play for Cliff Kingsbury, you would want to do that. Maybe he doesn't do that now. We don't know at this point, but that's you know just a little speculation. Yeah, I mean, I think USC is almost to the point now where people are saying things like, the heck with recruiting. You know, you haven't done that great a job developing and coaching up the guys you have gotten, all those great players that you've gotten coming out of high school. Get that squared away, and we'll let the recruiting take care of itself. I mean, I think, you know, there's there's just not that same, you know, sense of recruiting matters because, and you know, it doesn't matter if you don't develop them, if you don't have a system, if you don't get them stronger, if you don't get them tougher, you don't get them more ready to play than USC has been doing, uh, that the recruiting is kind of, uh, you know, just um, extraneous kind of a thing. It's just, you know, it's off to the side. Yeah. Uh, because you've got to do more with the basic program. I mean, let's face it, USC's recruited better than Clemson, without a doubt. I mean, there's no, there's no question. Clemson's what 55 and four the last four years, and you know, won two national championships and been in, you know, the semifinals and a, a championship game with players not ranked as high, you know, as USC's players. Yep. Alrighty, questions? Yeah, let's do some questions. So we got a text from James in Manhattan Beach. He says, "Longtime listener, first time caller. Do you think Cliff taking the AZ job says more about Kingsbury's character and inability to see his commitment through, USC's inability to hang on to him, or how enticing and rare an NFL coaching job can be? Put another way, did we dodge a bullet with this guy, or did he do the right thing? Fight on forever, James. Yeah, ABC. If if you gave us three possibilities, it's C. I mean, obviously." Uh, yeah, this says nothing negative about, you know, I think Cliff Kingsbury's character or commitment no. or anything else. I mean, I think USC was lucky that he saw in USC more than I think USC saw in USC. I don't think he had the slightest clue. If, there is no possible way uh, five weeks ago, six weeks ago, Cliff Kingsbury thought he was going to get one or maybe even two NFL head coaching offers. He would have laughed. Everybody would have laughed. I mean, come on. He just got fired by his alma mater, uh, and he was sub-500. Uh, there's not a chance that he saw it that way. So, you know, you just you have to just give him, you know, say, you know, go get him. Good luck. Thanks for being here for a little while. And uh, I have no negative feelings whatsoever to him. And, and, and this, and he decided to come back uh, or, or to stay here and not go to the NFL. There wouldn't have been any, oh, like he was flirting with the NFL. That doesn't show good care. No, not even a little bit. I mean, there's nobody in college football coaching that hasn't, uh, you know, left where they were taking a bet. Everybody's taken a better job that, you know, has that offer. And, uh, so, no, I, I don't have any sense that he played USC or, or whatever. Maybe his agent had some ideas, and and even his agent couldn't have thought that this would, you know, play out the way it did. There's just no way. No, he was excited. He, I mean, Bruce Feldman talked about this on the radio. I've talked to him personally about this. He loved the talent at USC. This was a great opportunity for him. He saw it that way. He sought it out. But you never know that this huge opportunity is going to come along. I don't blame Cliff Kingsbury at all. I know there's a lot of USC fans that are really 
upset about this. If you guys remember, I'm not, and, and there's some fans that are like, you should always honor a contract. And even though that's not the way college football works, like it's just not that way. There's a buyout for a reason. Apparently the buyout in this situation was only $150,000, which is ridiculous. But if you remember the way Clay Hilton got to USC, he was hired by Arkansas state to be their offensive coordinator. 60 days later, Lane Kiffin hired him away to become USC's quarterback coach. He didn't call a single play at Arkansas state. So the way Clay Helton was hired somewhere, didn't make it to the season and was hired away. He did that himself. So if you're going to be, if you weren't outraged at that, then you probably shouldn't be outraged at this, which is a much better opportunity. Helton went from, you know, uh, a college program to a college program to go from coordinator to a quarterback coach. This is a college program coordinator going to an NFL head coach. You can't blame him. There's definitely didn't dodge a bullet. The best thing for USC's offense would have been Cliff Kingsbury. So don't do any of that sour grapes, James. This is don't, you know, I'm not blaming Kingsbury at all for this. It was a unique opportunity. Um, USC could have handled it better, but I don't think there's anything they could have done outside of what Dan said, maybe make him the head coach, which people probably have been upset about that if that happened too, but that would have probably been the one way to keep him. Yeah. And I think, I think the one positive, if you make him the head coach, is you do what so many people thought men should have done at the end of the season uh, in terms of the, you know, the head coach, uh, where Kingsbury would almost become a side issue because the issue then would have been, you know, what do you do with, with Clay Helton? So um, uh, that, that, was your, that was your choice. I mean, USC had to make that choice, and, and, and you know, they're choosing stability. Uh, uh, right now and uh you know you swing for the fences and you miss and uh you know everybody you know wants to blame you but uh i i give you usc credit in a lot of ways for you know uh, you don't it wasn't an automatic that usc would have made the cliff kingsbury um move when he wanted to come here work i mean there you know a lot of times we have a sense that usc has missed on those kinds of opportunities so so I give him some credit for that. That yeah. wasn't wasn't all negative. It's kind of ironic that you want USC to swing for the fences. They just never have, never have, never have. And then one time they do, it doesn't work out. But at least they try. Yeah, they tried in this one. <sighs> but we'll see. This is also why you try across the board. You don't yeah. just do it in one. You don't do it one time. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But we have an email along the same lines from Robin in Virginia. Uh, he, she says, why did Cliff Kingsbury even accept the USC job? Didn't he have a choice to be Rams OC as well? Personally, I'd rather do that. Still get to be in LA and play in the Coliseum and probably get paid way more. As long as Helton is the coach, any position coach or coordinator won't find much success at USC. Thoughts? Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, that's wrong. Yeah. If you become the offensive coordinator, I don't think he was going to be. No, it's going to be like an analyst or something. They didn't offer him that. Yeah. I mean, that's like, I, I still remember back in the day working for the Bengals and people would come by, you know, and coaches would get hired and they would say, I was Bill Walsh's offensive coordinator. No, you weren't. Bill Walsh was his own offensive coordinator. You were the guy that carried the clipboard and the footballs for the quarterback, you know. And so if you came in to work for the Rams, you're not running the offense. Sean McVay's running the offense. You're going to be, well, that's not what, you know, Cliff Kingsbury was. I mean, one of the, the good news about coming to USC with the offense in such terrible shape as it's been is that you got to t- 
totally make it your offense. Your offense, he was going to be his offense. So he had a blank slate to just do it. So in most ways, the USC job would be much more attractive than the Rams job, I think, for a guy like Cliff Kingsbury. We have an email from Bearsecutor. He says... Yeah. Oh, this could be bad. He says, guys, amidst all the Kingsbury drama of the past few weeks, several things are being overlooked. Cliff's departure is not as terrible as it seems because his impact was going to be not as great as many imagined. Reflect on Clemson. It was a total team victory. We are light years, even with Cliff in an air raid offense from sniffing the natty. Sure, we could have skilled players that approach Clemson's in a year or two, a comparably effective scheme, but their O-line had no offsides, truly bad snaps, got to the second level, protected their QB and opened holes. Their defense hardly ever had to blitz, and when they did, they had solid man coverage across the board. None of Bama's wide receivers were open last night, even with pass completions, very few big plays. Cliff does nothing to solve our O-line, DB, and strength-slash-discipline problems, which are at least as problematic as Gumbo's scheme in play calling. I, I don't agree yeah, with you, Bearsecutor. That's like, they would you would win three or four more games just by scoring points with Cliff Kingsbury. So I don't yeah, agree with that. I think he almost all. said that. I read it. I, he said it to me also, and I read that. I think he kind of agrees deep down that that's probably true. Yeah, but I think Bear, the USC wasn't going to try to be Clemson. I mean, you have to have Dabo Sweeney oh, to yes. be Clemson. And you got to get everything right. This wasn't Every a move to get USC to the national championship. This was a move yeah. to just get better. <laughs> like, Well, I mean, this is a move. USC ought to win the Pac-12. Yes. They ought to win it next year. I don't care who's coaching them. I mean, they ought to win the Pac-12. They got the best players by far. And, you know, the only thing stopping USC from winning the Pac-12 is USC. So I think Kingsbury gets them enough better. I think he gets them two more touchdowns a game. And no matter how badly the rest of the, you know, program is coached, they win the Pac-12. I think that, I don't think there's any question. I really do. Uh, they do not come anywhere near Clemson with all of the stuff that's going on. Uh, you know, with all the, uh, you know, shortfalls that in, in so many areas, uh, you know, and you know, just, just wait, just the, you know, just the weight program alone makes it hard for USC to compete with the athleticism of Clemson. But, um, but I, I, I think, you know, you're going to miss Cliff Kingsbury because you're going to miss Cliff Kingsbury. He wasn't going to make them, uh, any of the things that Clemson is. But I do think they play better in those other areas. The special teams work better. The defense works better. If you know you're going to score enough points to win. I mean, one of the things that seemed to happen when USC gave up those 34-point runs against Texas and Utah was that the defense knew we can't possibly score enough points to get back in this game. We're It's finished. We're over. Let's get ready for next week maybe. But I don't think that happens when you have a team that's capable, you know, scoring every single possession. Uh, I think that keeps the rest of the team in the game. So I think, you, you know, even if you're not doing anything about it, just having uh, the ability to put enough points on the board changes the dynamic of the team. And um, so, so from that standpoint, yeah, they're not going to be Clemson. But they could be a lot better just by – because they've got the talent and if they didn't have any players, that wouldn't be true. But they do have the players. So 
you know, I think they're more enthusiastic, more excited, knowing that they're going to put, you know, close to 40 points a game on the board. It's a different USC team, I think. I would agree. Uh, along the Clemson line, we have an email from Jeff Smith who says, now that Boy Wonder Cliff has bolted to the NFL, do you think USC should pluck as many Davo-trained coaches from the Clemson coaching tree? Offense, defense, strength and conditioning, towel guy? That wouldn't bother me a bit. They're doing it right. I mean, I think the best thing about – I mean, Davo, you know, 10 years ago when Clay was coming to USC, Davo was tapped as the head coach at – at Clemson in midseason, six games into the season when they let Terry Bowden go, he was three and three. So it wasn't like he was a total disaster, but, uh, they pick a guy who hadn't ever been a coordinator. who was a wide receivers coach. And before the day's over, he has let the offensive coordinator go. He let, he fired him. And I think the thing about Dabo that you got to appreciate is he knows what he wants to do. He's not afraid to do it. It took him a while. He wasn't a great, great head coach right away, but he learned, I think, he, he's capable of learning from his mistakes, capable of being reality-based, capable of going out and getting the right guys to do the job uh, and, and making everything else around the program work. And, um, you know, as much as we talk about the Notre Dame model, I think the, the Clemson model is as good as any, which means basically – it's all uh, it all depends on the head coach. You got to have total support from the athletic director, of course, the one who picked him and the one there now. But um, uh, the head coach has to have a vision. This is how we do things. This is what we do. And and, and Davo does. And uh, one of the things that's pretty obvious last night was that Nick Saban has kind of run to the end of his uh, rope in terms of. It's really hard to coach for Nick Saban. And, uh, you know, he had an offensive coordinator who, who was gone and leaving and still, you know, calling the, you know, plays, but that was the third or fourth year in a row almost that you, you've had a different guy doing that. And I think somebody said that he's lost 20 staff, 20 coaches over the last four years or whatever. That's hard. They got out coached. I mean, I don't know that. Uh, anybody would, you know, think that Tosh Lapoy is, you know, who is, the, uh, you know, was a obvious recruiter, uh, you know, from the West Coast, from Cal and Washington, worked for Sark, and went to Alabama as a recruiter, is now the defensive coordinator. I don't think he's going to be mistaken for Brett Venables of, of, you know, of Clemson. And so I think that was one of the few times that you just saw a Nick Saban team really badly outcoached by a group of coaches who really, really get it right and figured it out and know what they're doing. And uh, I think that's got to be the model is just getting, you know, the best people you can and working together and figuring it out and, and getting your players to, you know, to buy in. And um, they're obviously bought in, at, at, you know, at, uh, at Clemson. And I don't think we're seeing that at Alabama. That's really interesting. Uh, as somebody mentioned on the P today, you had Tua Tagovailoa uh, looking a lot like JT Daniels in terms of, you know, having trouble, you know, with the coverages and trying to throw the deep ball. And just not, you know, it's just not there. And I think that's, uh, that was a, you know, a product of, of Alabama not having, uh, having their act together in terms of coaching. They just didn't. And you got to. 
coaching really matters. And I don't know that you overcome <clears throat> coaching if the other guys, you know, got better coaching. It's really hard. Coaching really, really matters. On the, a related note, uh, Steve, USC class of 97, gave a, a snarky proposition. He said, <laughs> now that Kingsbury is going to the Cardinals, who is more likely to be hired as the offensive coordinator for USC? One, Tim Drevno is promoted. Two, hire back Brian Ellis from Western Kentucky. Or three, Mike Sanford from Utah State, former head coach from Western Kentucky. I feel like four, Helton just becomes offensive coordinator. I mean, there's If you want to go yeah. full snark. I mean, but those, I, mean, I, I think, think there's Sanford, a couple of real yeah. ones there. I think that's real. Like yeah. you could say Tim Drevno would be the offensive coordinator. True. Um, you, or I don't think they'll bring back Tyson Brian Ellis, and I don't think he, Tyson because he's the head coach at Western Kentucky. Mike Sanford, he just got hired. Um, I don't see that one happening, but I mean, it, they could. I guess. Yeah, he was the Notre Dame guy. He went to Western. Kentucky. I, yeah. I, I think. And I don't know if the bubble is so strong that USC doesn't realize the reaction of hiring another Western Kentucky guy. I, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not sure. I think I'd go to the, uh, the Cliff Kingsbury tree and try to go that route. And uh, hopefully it works. And I know people say, what about Jinx, uh, you know, the running backs coach? And uh, is he the way to go? He's been an offensive court. Well, he's been a head coach. So, um, but then, you have you don't have a guy. I think they have to hire somebody who also coaches the quarterbacks. And uh, uh, I don't know that you can afford to have an offensive coordinator, even the way T was, who's the wide receivers coach, and he's not in the quarterback room and all that. I think you got to have the offensive coordinator who's in the uh, in the quarterback room. And you know, I always had a I had a pretty good a high opinion of Brian Ellis, uh, even though he was you know limited because of the Western Kentucky background, and he came here as a as a grad assistant, uh, which I thought was actually one of the better moves USC's made. Uh, and he had been a, an offensive coordinator at least in a, a bowl game. Uh, I don't know where they go, to be honest. I think the culture needs to be so changed on offense that you want somebody to come in like uh, Kingsbury who totally changes every way that you approach everything on offense. And does anybody have that kind of clout that's, you know, that's on the list? I don't know, but I think they got to go that way. I think you got to get Clay out of it. Um, I think, you know, obviously – uh, other people, you know, you don't want anybody else involved. I mean, that was always the, uh, I think the problem. We weren't sure who was involved, who was doing what, who was making what calls. Uh, and that didn't work at all. It hasn't worked and, and it's not going to work. So I think you need somebody to come in and stand on his own and say, this is how we're going to do it. Totally. Uh, Kingsbury had the kind of, you know, ability to do that. Is there anybody else out there that does have that kind of clout? personal name, you know, and all of the, I don't, I don't think so, but it would be nice if you could find that guy. I mean, how do you salvage this from here? Because you're, you're essentially like bleeding going forward. How do you stop the bleeding and try and anything besides Cliff is going to be a letdown because Cliff was, as Ryan always says, the home run higher. How do you work up the momentum again? Uh, uh, that is the question. The, the, that's the question without an answer right now. Uh, and yeah, I, even if they come up with the right answer, 
nobody will believe that they got the right answer. Uh, so uh, I, I really don't know. I, I think that that's the unanswerable question. It's, it's just with this crew, I don't know. Do you look at, do you reevaluate everything if you're USC or do you just try and put a bandaid on it and keep moving forward? Because I would assume what happens to Mike Jinx now? Does he go with Cliff? Uh, you would think so. But uh, again, or does he get an offer? You know, a guy who wasn't a very good head coach in terms of, you know, results at Bowling Green, but uh, he was a head coach and. He does understand, you know, what they're trying to do, uh, but he's not a quarterback guy. So I, 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 I don't have a good answer. I don't, USC better come up with one. But, uh, you know, I, I, what I'd probably do is try to, you know, maybe get, you know, uh, Graham Harrell at, at uh, North Texas, who would be the closest thing available right now, um, who comes from the, you know, the Kingsbury tree. And that's probably what I do and just hope that he's, um, he's able to do it. I think is what I do. Um, we have different topics on, uh, left on the questions. If we want to say anything more about cliff, um, I don't know if there's more to say at this point. (laughs) Anything else, Dan? I think, I mean, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh I mean, it's, people yeah. keep, you know, sending questions. So we'll get some more details and stuff, but we can probably, a lot of people are like, just move on, just move on. It's like, it was a big deal. USC used it as a promotional tool. Now they're going to have to figure yeah. something else out. So we'll, we'll see what USC's next move is uh, going forward. For sure. Uh, we, yeah, we can, I think we all be, you know, comfortable and that the USC brain trust will figure something out here. <laughs> sure. <laughs> little Shade there, I guess. Shady Dan, <laughs> as always. Uh, we have an email from Eddie from Whittier. He says, this is for both you, uh, Dan and Ryan. He okay. says, after watching Dabo's victory speech, I can simply say that if I was a player, I'd buy into him and his words a hundred times faster than Coach Helton's faith family football. Dabo said, surround yourself with coaches who love what they do and love to coach. And I agree with that. At SC, I feel like people might feel like they're owed something and that they can just go in and drive on cruise control rather than putting in the work how about you go in as a coach and coach these players damn it because we definitely don't look like we can hang with these guys i I really think there's a lot of similarities between like Dabo's philosophies and clay helton's i think just Dabo's just a way better football coach and has hired better people around him but it's a family there it's i i think i was watching espn today or someone where they talked about alabama being like a football factory now you could win that way but it's like a lot of turnover in the coaches, a lot of, you know, but with Clemson, like they had a lot of guys stay for their senior season. They've had the same coordinators for a long time. They're like, it's, it is more of a family and it's, it's working. You know, I think some of the philosophies are the same, but they're just way better at doing that with that kind of a philosophy behind it. I think Clay Helton and him have some similar philosophies, but Dabba Sweeney is obviously way better at coaching. I think the big difference, and I was thinking about this earlier was that uh, in Clay's world, Family means the people come here are already family. You hire family. You, you know, you hire the guy who recruited you in college. He's your dad's best buddy. You know, you, you hire your, you know, your uh, brother. Yeah. Clay's family was the family before they got to USC. 
The difference with Davo is he gets the best people and then they become a family. That's the thing. They become a family when they, after they get to Clemson by what they're doing and how they're, you know, reaching the goals that they're setting for themselves and how the kids, you know, want to stay around and be part of that because they trust that the family can get the job done. So I think it's where does the family fit in? You really don't want to be hired people who were your family or maybe are literally your family. You want to turn them into a family once they get there. And that's what they've done so well at Clemson. But that's a great comparison, the football factory to the football family. Uh, And USC, I think with Pete, USC was a family for the years that they were on the ascent and the years they were on top. It didn't, you know, didn't always stay that way at the end. But uh, but for long enough, USC had that family thing going. And I think that's, that's something that Pete's done pretty well uh, in the NFL. But uh, USC has to look at, you know, you become a family once you get here. You don't come from the family. John in Brea, California, says congratulations to the Pac-12 for winning, for winning more bowl games than any other media company. He says, I can't believe the Pac-12 CEO group is falling for Larry Scott's con game. He should be listed on the AARP website that warns the elderly of scams. I'm thinking of the age-old scam where the scammer poses as a person of wealth and authority who needs to get a huge sum of money out of his or her country and humbly, urgently, and confidently request your assistance in return for a sizable share of the treasure. This is utterly insane what the Pac-12 presidents are letting this guy get away with. But just wait until 2024, conveniently after his next contract is renewed, when hundreds of millions of dollars will be transferred to Pac-12 school accounts. All Larry needs between now and then is $30 million in salary and a piece of the equity revenue. What is the difference between what Champagne Larry is doing to the Pac-12 presidents and this classic scam? Well, that's so good, uh, John. That is uh, That nails it. I mean, it, there, it does look like a classic con where you don't measure the media company by whether anyone is watching any of the 850 uh, broadcasts, you strictly uh, say, we're really trying hard by putting all these things on the air. Eh, we're not sure if anybody's watching, if we're making any money out of it. But we would like a double salary because we're trying so hard to become a media company. Yeah, it's, uh, it's absolutely amazing. What's been allowed to happen? Uh, I know the athletic directors in the Pac-12 are just tearing their hair out. They can't believe that this is going on. And the, uh, as you say, it looks like Larry Scott just goes around the athletic directors, goes right to the presidents, who I'm sure don't have a whole lot of time um, to spend on, you know, analyzing what the heck's going on with the Pac-12. Uh, if only Dr. Hubbard were still around from USC. Uh, things might be different, but uh, uh, those days are gone. And uh, that's a great, though, that is a great take on uh, what's happening in the Pac-12. Man, good take. Uh, so I'm summarizing another submission by Bearsecutor. He essentially wants to know, uh, what is USC supposed to do and how are they supposed to catch up on bodybuilding slash strength and conditioning if there's PEDs in, in schools like the SEC schools? Uh 
I, I, no, I don't know. I don't know how you, you deal with that. I, I know people look at the bodies and say, wow, those don't look like what we're seeing in other places. Um, uh, I mean, I, I think you just have to be as good as you can be. And, you know, for example, quarterbacks and wide receivers probably are not the guys that you're thinking about. And, 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 you know, Clemson won that game with the, you know, a lot of the, you know, the contributors were, were, were not people you're going to say, Oh, look at that guy. Look at that guy. And the team that won, you wouldn't be the number one suspect, uh, as far as, uh, you know, PEDs, even though their kids got caught. I mean, the fact that their kids got caught makes you think, well, you know, they are, you know, legitimately, uh, doing some of the testing and that. So, uh, so I, I, I just don't know if, uh, there's anything that you can focus on. You just have to be as good as you can be. And, and do as good a job as you can with what, with what you have control of. And you can't, I just don't think you can be thinking about, oh, what are they doing? What are they getting away with? Uh, it's not as blatant as, let's say, the East, uh, East German, you know, swimmers or the, whatever the, you know, various Russian, uh, you know, teams were. And, uh, you know, I'm just not going to think about it because I don't know that there's a lot you can do about it. Yeah. Uh, we have a question from our buddy Joan. She says, what do you guys think of the national championship being played at Levi Stadium? Um, she said it, it seemed kind of foreign seeing those two teams in a California uh, time zone. She also says, by the way, big shout out to your sponsor, Trader Joe's. I had never really shopped at Trader Joe's since I lived in small uh, town Idaho. It is the best, best wine prices, very important. Great prices and quality for everything. Nice employees, a pleasant shopping experience, and I especially love their dark chocolate peanut butter cups. Yes, so good yeah, job. those are ridiculously good and chocolate covered <laughs> raisins. So yeah, Joan, Joan got it right with Trader. I got, uh, I got some of the chicken noodle soup uh, for my sickness yesterday. My <laughs> wife went and got a bunch of stuff from Trader Joe's and uh, some of those dumplings again. And some she put dumplings in uh, like a noodle broth, like a chicken Ooh. broth and stuff. It was good. Yeah, delicious. So uh, that was good. Thanks, thanks for that. Good job Joan. by Joan there. I think Joan's right on it. Uh, on it, and I think you know, I mean, I wouldn't recommend anybody going to a game at Levi's. We've never, you know, it just doesn't seem like a good, you know, football environment. It's just kind of in the middle of, you know, this, you know, Silicon Valley, you know, strip mall kind of a, you know, place that it just doesn't have a lot of. It's just humanity. I mean, it's just it's just sitting out, you know, in a parking lot and the, the stadium itself with the one wall of nothing but you know private boxes and all of that. It, it's just uh, not a great place, and it's tough. If you know, you got to move the game around. I think you know, L.A. is much more of a football area than Northern California, uh, but uh, you know, if California wants to be part of this figure out a way to get to the game uh and you know there you know the college football has to worry a little bit when they're going to have you know strictly uh, teams from the southeast in the in the championship game i mean it's got to become a national sport again i mean uh, the big 10 uh you know is in as much trouble as uh is the pac-12 in terms of you know being in the game and uh you know somebody's got to figure out a way to to compete you know, the whole uh, SEC model, it just means more, and it does. Uh, and 
whether you can make it mean as much and have the ability to, to you know, to get to that game, uh, Pac, you know, Pac-12's got to figure some things out and make make a commitment or not. Because, you know, with an Alabama that's spending $69 million a year on football, and USC uh, certainly in the top, you know, barely out of the top 20 at $40 million, uh, $29 million more that Alabama spends than USC spends. That almost isn't isn't a fair fight, but yet, you know, Clemson only spends, I guess, $38 million, I think was the last number I saw. So Alabama, you know, $69 million to $38 million, and Clemson, you know, was a clear, you know, better team and better program. So you can compete, but it, it, it's pretty hard uh, with the, the amount of money that's available to the very, you know, those very top programs. But, uh, but somebody's got to figure something out, or California is going to be on the outside looking in, and uh, you know, uh, it's kind of sad. I mean, it was sad that you felt like you didn't have a connection to that game. Yeah. Other than, other than, oh, that's where the Pac-12 plays their championship game. Ooh, cool. <laughs> if I was other feeling better, that, I almost flew up there with my wife to go see it, but I wasn't feeling very good. But everyone I talked to seemed it was better than what they thought going into it. So I think they. But I mean, it's just not a great place to watch a game. So um, that's a long way to go for Clemson and Alabama fans. Didn't in the, the yeah. post-game interview, he was like, wherever the heck we are in California, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the ringing endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> well, you when they last week, when they were talking about, I mean, you thought they were heading, I mean, both of the programs heading to the moon. I mean, you know, it was like, because they're not used to, they're not used to traveling. I mean, that's not what they do. They basically... You know, stay in one time zone, make you know bus trips, and you know this was really different. I mean, that may have thrown Alabama as much as anything is uh, the dislocation of being uh, uh, being that far away from home. I mean, they never go that far away. That was always one of the advantages I thought with Pete that USC had when they would you know head to the you know the you know, the uh, Orange Bowl, for example. They were so used to traveling that it didn't matter uh, for USC. But, uh, uh, you know, USC always had an advantage, I think, and always will have an advantage in those kinds of situations. So you got to make that work, you know, for you. I thought, like, when they beat Oklahoma so badly, USC uh, was like the second or third trip across the country uh, to the Orange Bowl. And for Oklahoma, they just hadn't traveled. Much so, USC was was more at home, even though they were a lot farther away from home than uh, than Oklahoma was for that game. So, uh, I mean, I think there are some ways you can you know make that work for you. But boy, I thought Alabama just looked so not like they were in the right place. And apparently, like 60% of the fans were from Clemson. That Clemson traveled better than Alabama did, uh, you know, for that game. So, I don't know. Okay, one second, Dan. I gotta, I gotta fix something. One second. Okay, sorry. Ryan had to go do a, another interview, so I had to shut the door for okay. him. Okay. Um, we have one more question and then I'll just be like, okay, that's going to wrap it up. And then you can be like, 
say your final thoughts and then i think when ryan's done he'll come right. in and, and record the outro so um okay Alrighty, well, we have one last question from Nick from Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick 21 USC from the P. Uh, a, a timely question. He says, can we get an update on the Todd McNair case? Fight on. Oh, well, that was a perfect uh, perfect final question. Yeah, right. they're having a hearing uh, Friday morning in uh, uh, courtroom 46, the place where the original McNair trial uh, took place, 830 in the morning. And um, McNair and his attorneys, I think, feel like they have a very good shot at getting a new trial based on the fact that uh, the uh, lead juror for the uh, 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 in the McNair case was uh, an employee, a lawyer with the uh, the law firm that had handled uh, a major appeal for the NCAA in this case. And California law basically says that's not uh, permitted, that that's you don't even have to prove bias or anything. That is uh, an example of bias, that that's that's not allowed. And it wasn't as clear when it came up uh, basically the first day of the trial. Uh, it wasn't as clear that uh, the law firm that that uh, juror worked for had handled anything in this particular case. And and now we know they had. It had, had handled a significant appeal. And California law says you're not allowed to do that. So we'll see. Both sides have briefed, uh, you know, the judge, Judge Schaller. And it's up to him at this point to decide whether there's a new trial or not. And I know he worked really hard at, at making the trial work and you know, getting you through all of that, you know, time and effort and money and what have you, that you don't necessarily want to just say, let's have a new trial. But uh, um, I know the thought is the law is on our side. We're going to get a new trial, I believe, is how when you read, you know, the, the brief and all of that from the McNair attorneys. But, uh, but we'll see. Uh, 8.30, stay tuned. We might get some indication of how it's going to go beforehand, but um, it looks like uh, they're going to argue it in court on Friday morning, and uh, we shall see what happens. If they if they do get a new trial, I don't know that that guarantees that there will be a trial. Maybe at that point the NCA says, look, we rather than spending millions and millions of dollars on another trial that's going to be ugly, I would guess that there's a new trial. There, the gloves will come off, and it'll be a, a, a really knockdown, drag out, you know, affair. That um, maybe they just say, "Well, let's settle this and, and finish it off." Uh, we'll see. But, would, uh, would McNair even want to settle at that point? I know for him, it's it, he said in the trial, it's not about the money; it's about clearing his name. At this point, would a settlement in his mind uh, clear his name? It's a good question. I don't know what you know what. What the you know the conditions would be about uh, it would be an admission on the NCA's part. Uh, I mean, the, you know, the the fact that there had to be a new trial would indicate that he wasn't treated fairly. And then if the NCA decided that they would rather settle, uh, I think it would be moving in the direction of um, uh, you know of of a vindication for for Todd McNair. 
But that would be, uh, you know, that's a decision I think, you know, Todd, only in, only Todd can make that decision. And I don't know. I think that's a really good question. I don't know, um, you know, what he would, what, what he would decide. I mean, I, I wouldn't blame him if he didn't want to go through another trial. I mean, it was mean and ugly and, yeah. uh, on his part, I mean, uh, against him. I mean, the NCAA had to make him out to be the really bad guy. I think the next trial, there are a lot of people going to be made out to be bad guys in this, you know, in this particular case. And an awful lot of them are going to be NCAA people who I think probably were treated fairly respectfully, um, which probably will not happen the next time around. So I don't know. I'd want to avoid it. I think if I were the NCAA, but, uh, but we'll see. Well, it's it's interesting that you say that because I just thought it was interesting that NCA when they filed their brief opposing Todd McNair's motion for a new trial, they said uh, uh, the NCA won the defamation claim trial fair and square. It did so despite substantial negative local media coverage for years leading up to the trial, and despite the controversial nature of the NCA's handling of the Bush investigation among many in the USC community, USC media and fans attended the trial and voiced their support for McNair outside the courtroom, but the jury decided the case on the evidence and held McNair to his burden. So I thought it was just interesting how they had... I mean, they, they're, living, they're living in a fantasy world. They, 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 there's nobody on the NCAA side that actually can believe that. They're not that stupid. Uh, that trial could have been on the moon as far as the impact of anybody from USC that had on that trial. I mean, it, try to run that trial in any other city that, ho- you know, the home of any, uh, you know, major uh, NCAA university and see how it would have worked out. They couldn't have gotten a more fair and impartial. I mean, the jury, you know, you, you could have given them each $500 and said, go find the Coliseum. And they couldn't have, you know, they couldn't have found the Coliseum in a, you know, a week. I mean, uh, on their own. Uh, they weren't, they just weren't, you know, it wasn't something that anybody paid any attention to here. And uh, the, the idea that the only thing that, that pre-trial coverage was negative was covering how badly the NCAA handled the case and how biased they were. And, uh, w- you know, which was proved out, you know, in the courtroom, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that was a, that was a fantasy and I don't, it doesn't answer uh, the basic, uh, charge, which is California law says if you're a member of a law firm and you've worked on the case, you may not be on a jury. They had a member of their law firm that worked on the case who was on the jury. According to California law, that's bias and that's not a fair trial. So it wasn't a fair trial according to California law. I don't care what the NCA says. It wasn't a fair trial, and uh, they can talk about all the other stuff, which truly didn't happen, but uh, uh, they couldn't have been treated any more fairly. I mean, I give a, you know, Judge Schaller was a USC graduate. Um, he could not have been more fair. Uh, on the crucial ruling, he went on went to the NCA side. Uh, so so I, I don't, I, as you might guess, I don't agree with the NCA's characterization, of how this all took place. But, uh, but yeah, uh, it, that's not to the point. And I, I don't know if they argue that you would think judge Saller would say, so what, <laughs> you know, what about the issue that we're talking about? Yeah. That, you know, I mean, 
So, so I think that's all the NCAA has. I'm not sure. How do you answer it? You know, if California law says that's not allowed and it happened, what do you say? What do you talk about other stuff? But, um, it'll be real, you know, we don't know if we're going to hear any, you know, get any little advance, uh, you know, information before Friday, but, uh, Friday could be real interesting because uh, it's going to all happen, I think, in one day. Boom, right there. And, and you get a ruling. And uh, it would be nice if Todd finally got some justice. But, yeah. uh, but we'll see. It never ends for Todd, unfortunately. Uh, uh, but we'll be there. Uh, so make sure you look, up for, look out for instant analysis. Um, back where we spent six weeks yeah. in March, we'll be back yeah. there again, which will be. By the way, I have a, another location though. I, I saw somebody else did one the other the other day. One of the news crews, and 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 uh, you still have the uh, uh, L.A. City Hall in the background, but there's another there's another location uh, that it might be a, even a better location. So I've been scouting out locations. Oh uh, wow! So the, prepared. Uh, so look for, for the, the visuals and analysis. And instant. Yeah. So. <laughs> Oh, great. That'll be great. Alrighty. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up since that's the last questions we have. Yeah, I think we talked this one out, Keely. So we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. Thanks for all the questions came in. Thanks to Dan Weber. Thanks to Keely. Your hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.